2: This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 184. This week we have a special live podcast recording as editor Laura Rowe joins travel editor Rhiannon Batten at the Adventure Travel Show in London. They discuss how to track down the best culinary travel experiences, why you don't need to spend big to eat out abroad, and the upcoming foodie destinations to look out for in 2020.
0: Hello, welcome. Um, My name is Laura. I am the editor of Olive magazine, uh, which is a food and travel magazine. And I am joined conveniently um, by our travel editor, Rhiannon. Um, So, hello Rhiannon. Hello. Um, and we thought we'd talk to you today about adventures in food and travel. Um, why do you think they're such a natural pairing, Rhianne, And why, why should food be the focus of adventures? Um, so
1: I think food and travel are inextricably linked and nothing transports you to the heart of a culture the way that food does. So yes, we all, wherever we are in the world, when you've come off a long hike or a ski run or something, you might want a burger or a pizza, but actually... The strongest food memories, I th- the strongest travel memories come generally from food and really um, specific um, foods that are linked to that, the particular culture that you're visiting. Um, so, uh, Because they're really rooted in place. So the, some of the ones that I can think of, that I've done recently, and some of them written for Olive, um, Going back to that skiing, a couple of years ago, I went to um, Saint-Martin de Belleville in the Alps. And I did eat at a very nice restaurant that had the most amazing cheese board. It had 40 different types of cheese from Savoy alone, as well as about 100 others from the wider part of France that it was. But the thing that stuck with me actually wasn't eating in that restaurant setting. It was going to a, a local farm where they produce very traditional sheep's milk cheeses. And, and and they were lovely, and I enjoyed that tour and meeting the sheep. But just as we were leaving, the woman who produced the cheese said, oh, "Do you want to try this?" And it was this bowl of really delicious, kind of um, almost like a waste product from the from the cheese, the curds, really, um, that they all the shepherds used to eat there, and they put. Piece of bread in and it's it's just kind of like comforting porridge mix. Cheesy porridge Cheesy sounds porridge. good to me. Very um, you know very mild flavour yeah. and they either put salt in to make it savoury or honey to make it sweet and from that just stuck in my memory it was such a lovely thing and you of course you'll never get that on a restaurant menu no. but that was a really one-off special experience um, and I suppose the flip side of that at the um, more dining end of the scale is I remember going on a trip with um into Japan about 10 years ago now and I the whole trip it was to Kyoto and of course I wanted to see the temples and um all the all the local culture but almost as an aside I was staying in a ryokan where I was served a kaizeki dinner and it was this series of little plates of food That were just exquisite what you know one was a a hot pot uh, a tiny one person hot pot um, where you dipped little pieces slivers of wild boar in and another was a tiny weenie barbecue from grilling mountain trout and obviously sashimi came rolled up in ice in this thing that looked like twigs it wasn't twigs (laughs) but it was beautiful um and for me that was the thing that was really exciting was it wasn't just eating, although it tasted delicious and looked delicious, I, it was a, a shortcut to that culture for me. Um, so I think, yes, that's what So say. It, it transports you. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um,
0: and that's our approach at Olive, isn't it? Kind of doing these authentic, affordable food adventures. And we always try and seek them out. So we have a, a feature, for example, in the print magazine, which hopefully lots of you got in your hands. And if you haven't, we've got some spare at the end here as well. Um, we do a feature called On the Road, which is where you really kind of get to, into a place and meet lots of the producers, or it might be right. um, experiences as well as restaurants and bars and drinks and things. And so I think, is it in the March issue, we've got one in Marrakesh?
1: Yes, which is really lovely. I mean, it starts off, I've just been editing that feature, and um, the writer takes you through, she calls it something like a spiderweb of alleyways in um, the Medina, and, and you just smell this roasted lamb. And there's some, it's called Mashri Alley. <laughs> because that's, that's what ready. they cook—the Meshwi <laughs> lamb—and um, so yeah, that's a really nice. Those features of ours that really go in real depth yeah. to the local foods in a destination. So they're nice, um, and I think that's why I really love our travel section. Oliver, working for our travel section, because it's not about ticking off certain foods or kind of the kind of Monroe bagging approach to food, um, but it's about celebrating. Local, very local forms of food culture and, um, and the people, herita- the, and the people the who people make it food, yeah. exactly um, and um, the kind of heritage dishes and recipes and talk about meeting people back in that on that same Japanese trip. Um, I was booked into this experience called WAC Japan which is a Women's Association of Kyoto <laughs> And I have looked them up since then, and they do all sorts of experiences um, where you can go make tempura or a bento box. And I was signed up to go and make miso soup. You know, really simple, but really well made. But it was in their homes. You go and visit oh, them wow. in their home, and it was so different to going and seeing the temples or um, that kind of thing. Because you're you're meeting you're you're there right right in it, um, and. I think you don't get that from from sightseeing. Um, Mm. The other thing is, I think one thing that's really inspiring at the moment is Instagram, which, love it or loathe it. (laughs) Um, I mean, of course, there's a lot of stuff on Instagram Instagram where it's just people saying, I've eaten this and I had dinner there and this is what I had for breakfast. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) but there are some brilliant accounts. And one that I discovered a while back is um, Irina Georgescu who's a food writer living in North Wales but is Romanian. And her posts are fantastic because they are beautiful and they are eye-catching and she cooks these dishes but she gives you the context and the culture and the heritage. Mm. And off the back of her Instagram account, she's got such a following, she's now got a book deal and we've got an extract coming out also in the March issue on her book Carpathia. And it's just totally changed what I thought of as Romanian food. And I think that's really exciting. So she talks about, I mean, she's kind of reminded me that it is an East meets West. You kind of think of Turkey as being East meets West, but Romania is, you know, and also you've got the the mountains and the Danube coming. So you've got all the fish, but you've got the Alpine produce. And she talks about um, all these lovely casseroles with caraway and Mm. lovage and traditional ingredients. But she also talks just the way she talks about cakes. <laughs> um, she was saying, you know, because of the, from the East, you get all these kind of sticky honey cakes, like baklava inspired. But from the West, then you also get, the really sophisticated layered cakes from Vienna and Budapest and those influences together. So now I really want to visit Romania (laughs) and um, go on a food adventure there. Yeah, 100%. Um, So Instagram, I think, actually can be inspiring.
0: Um, And they're affordable trips like this as well, right? I mean, uh, I remember one adventure I would say I've been on um, to the Balearic Islands. And I, uh, I, I met a chef And uh, we got chatting, and he did little trips out on his day boat. So he said, Come out on a boat with us at 6 a.m. And then you sort of go out, and his speciality is lobster in Menorca. Um, Get up at 6 a.m., it's dark, cold, and you go out on this boat. And then he's bringing all these fish, but you're trying fish fresh on the boat. And then he takes people back to his restaurant in the middle of the island, and all the fish that he's caught there that you've tried fresh right on the boat. He then cooks and shows you how it's all done. And he um, makes this amazing lobster stew and he puts fried eggs from his pens that he's got outside the restaurant on top. So it's it's meeting these people and it, that's not an expensive thing to do, but you kind of, that will last with me forever. And that, and that's what we really like at Olive, isn't it? It's not necessarily these fine dining restaurants, which are still beautiful and, you know, an mm-hmm. experience in themselves, but you can, it's a really basic They're more things. international, aren't yeah, they? Yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, I mean, I was thinking back to this year, I went to Lebanon and, um, which is perhaps not the place to go right at the moment now, but Beirut, I did eat beautiful um, Lebanese food there, but one of the things that has stuck with me is some falafel that I ate. Uh, they had this, amazing. it was blonde falafel, they call them, because the spice mix is a bit lighter, so they're paler, and that was just in a little hole in the wall, mm. but they were fantastic. One of my tips, actually, I was going to say, I always look for really good local flavours of ice cream. It's, it's often a really cheap and interesting way to find local flavours. Um, I remember being in Turkey once and it was mulberry season, and um, going into a little cafe, and they had this, they didn't have loads of ice cream at all, but they just had one batch of mulberry ice cream. And you know, those things are really special, I think. And even and you don't have to travel. Far, you know, I've just been to a new restaurant that's opened in Somerset where they've got a milk ice cream because the milk is from Ivy House Dairy, which is really lovely milk. And they thought, well, we don't really need to do a vanilla. This is Somerset and this is really local. And I love that idea. Um, So, ice cream is one of my top tips. Um, But even not just street food, in going back to Beirut, I had a restaurant called Towlet, which is. and amazing that it's set up by a man called Kamal, who his um, he's very inspiring and his motto is make food, not war. And it's a social enterprise where he has brought together home cooks. They're on a kind of rotor. So you get somebody from a different village coming into Beirut, all over Lebanon, but coming into Beirut on, the, on that particular week. And they do the cooking with regional dishes that are specific to their area in their traditions and most of these people do have like the one dish that they always cook whether it's um I'm trying to think we had an amazing beetroot dish with tahini and these little spicy sausages with cinnamon and beef um, and all sorts of amazing puddings with rose water and orange blossom um just lovely and and home cooking not fancy not fussy um that was a really special experience
0: (laughs) Um, Now, are there any specific companies, I know there are lots here at the show, but that you'd recommend if anybody wants to do a really adventurous food trip?
1: Um, Actually, so I was looking around, Intrepid Travel, who are here, um, they would be one of my top tips. They do, I don't know if these are the ones that you've been on, but they do something called Real Food Adventures. And we have featured something before from Jordan, their Real Food Adventure in Jordan. They've got another one coming up this year on Georgia. Um, which sounds really interesting and they are very knowledgeable and I think these kind of it's these niche holidays food is a really good one where actually it really pays to get an expert in in the way that it it doesn't in in some other areas Um, so Intrepid I would recommend Um, if you really want a blowout and an amazing once in a lifetime trip Wild Frontiers do some really good food trips they have also got one coming up on Georgia with an author called, it's being led by uh, Carla Capelbo, who's written for us before. And she just knows everything there is to know about food in Georgia. Um,
0: Talk about Georgian wine as well, because yeah. <laughs> I'll let you say how amazing it is.
1: Yes, um, and it's it's produced in a really interesting way. I mean, it's, it's about the oldest wine producing uh, method in the world in these ter- terracotta pots, isn't it? Yes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> This isn't very ideal, so I'm sorry. Um, yeah, just if ever you go to Georgia, and especially if you go on one of these trips, it's called um, orange wine. Again, has anyone tried orange wine? You don't just mix red and white. It's um, as much as that would be great. Uh, it's kind of funky wine. If any, we're both from the West Country, so if anybody likes um, scrumpy from um, Somerset, it's it's kind of got that same funk, but it's a really complex, interesting wine. It's got none of the nasty sulfates or anything like that that you get in some other wine making processes. Um, but it's really interesting, and and I and it, for me, again, it's when you go to these sorts of places that is the taste of. If these areas and so even if it wouldn't be your natural go-to I definitely recommend orange wine <laughs>
1: um I think we all want to go to Georgia <laughs> um and but I have to um give a shout out to my favorite travel company ever which is the one this picture behind us shows um some people in a village called Mecca Mariam in Ethiopia where I did a trip with Village Ways and I love Village Ways I, has ever, anyone ever done a Village Ways trip or heard of village ways, go and look them up. Um, they are, again, a community tourism project. They were originally set up in the Himalayas as a way of keeping people in the villages, giving them employment, stopping people leaving the um, uh, the mountains and going to cities. And they, they A, employ people to do... Um, the cooking and the hosting, but they also employ craftspeople, to, so they're keeping traditional crafts going by building houses for guest houses for people to stay in because they they believe that that's less disruptive than ha- actual homestays, which is interesting in itself. Um, and I did a trip when they first started to um, the Himalayas, and uh, in in the kind of northern India part, and. and um, I remember I'd I'd got off. I'd I'd flown to Delhi and then got on a train north, and I had a terrible cold. And they they were just so lovely, and they brought me in bed. They put me to bed with a hot water bottle, and um, a cup of hot milk with cinnamon and um, I can't remember what you know, warming spices. And I just felt that is true luxury and being pampered through food, in a lovely way. And you walk from village to village. Um, and so I'd really recommend them. I'm trying to think what else. And if you want to, some of that, they also do trips to places like Kerala, uh, where I think there's more of a food element there. You can actually, I mean, we're, on any of their trips, you can ask to go in the kitchen and they will show you how they cook. And um, But they're, they're, they focus more on that in Kerala, I think. But this was a trip to Ethiopia, which was fantastic because... Every village is so unique, and you're meeting these people. This was after a long day's hike, very remote, and then having that cup of tea and some... They'd made these pancakes was amazing. In every village in Ethiopia, you tended to have the same thing with these injera pancakes, kind of sourdoughy pancakes with stews on. Um, But I also remember they invited us to a wedding at one point, and we went and had Tej, this honey wine, which you need and if anyone's ever has anyone been to Ethiopia Uh, have you have you done is it Eskitsa the dancing have you seen the dancing (laughs) (laughs) I'm not gonna I'm no I definitely need some of the honey wine to do a demonstration (laughs) but it's it's amazing they do this kind of shoulder shuffle dance um and that so that was a lovely experience through drink as well as food um so yes definitely look up village ways um
0: Thank you. Um, so you obviously don't always have to take um, go with a travel company if you want to have an adventure. If you want to do it independently or anything more local, have you got any tips on that as well?
1: Um, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I would also say you don't have to, to have a food adventure. You don't have to go far flung. We've got another strand in Olive called Movers, Bakers and Shakers, which looks at a region of the UK in depth through food um, every other month. And we've had some lovely, interesting ones on those. We've got one on Sussex that where they visit a farm producing Japanese vegetables and herbs, and then they tell you where you can go if you want to have, you know, yuzu in a dessert or a cocktail or something. Um, and we've got some really nice back to the land roundups coming out of food, small food adventures. So there's one in Aberdeenshire where you stay, and there's lots of cooking over fire and fermenting workshops. Um, that's really interesting. um, I mean, the whole foraging thing is huge now, isn't it? And that's a really good way to have a local food adventure. um but I would also say, um, that um there's so there's lots of inspiration on our website, obviously. um we've done bigger features on food adventures from kayaking and then and cooking in Sweden um the Azores we've done a lovely one there and but some of the places I think we've also got a feature coming out it's on the website about our most inspiring trips with food adventures for 2020 and some of them are quite unexpected like cheese tourism we think is going to be big <laughs> 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 um which going back to that um farm in San Martin de Belleville, I think um explains why, you know, it's not just about eating, it's also about meeting the people that are producing it, making it. Um mainland Greece, Pelion, you know, lovely hikes and then home cooking, always always good. Vancouver, that obviously vegetarian and vegan food is on the rise massively, and that's a really good place for that i don't know if harry and megan are interested in vegan food but um <laughs> book now um, and um cornwall foy foy in cornwall i think is really happening for food at the moment so lots going on
2: stick around to learn more about the must book foodie travel destinations for 2020
0: So up and coming um, food trends, place to go this year. You know?
1: Well, I think definitely um, not specifically one country, but the Caucasus and um, that whole region, I think, and and Eastern Europe. I think that whole scene, there's this book I was talking about on Romania coming out. There's also a book by Olia Hercules. Um, on the, the Ukraine, I think is going to be really big, and those things do seem to generate a bit of a m- momentum. Um, Georgia, again, I think I really think genuinely Instagram has done a, a massive service here because I think food in those cultures was often. Um, you know, neglected. People thought it wasn't somehow very interesting. And this new wave of people have made, they're picking up heritage. It's not that they're trying to be very trendy and doing kind of very fussy things, but it's this new wave of picking up on the traditional ingredients and traditional recipes, but presenting them in a really approachable, exciting way and making people look again at the food in those countries. So I think for food, that is my absolute top tip for this year. Oh, afford, yes. Well, actually, I was, you just also reminded me, I also think this is year when, um, holidays you can reach without flying are really going to take off, which is something, you know, that we're really keen to develop more at Olive. A lot of our travel is European. And I mean, realistically, that's a whole other issue that I could talk at great length on. It's my other great passion is responsible travel, and I've, which I've written a book about. And I'm Um, I could talk higher ground um, which probably which is available probably needs a good update now but um, because so much has developed and I think there isn't one easy solution to that if anyone's really interested come and talk to me afterwards and I can bore on for ages about my take on it um but that's another reason why we always focus on the local and these interesting. I think community tourism and eating locally and putting money into small independent hotels and restaurants is just a really good way to spend your money when you're traveling. But I do think for that reason, Europe um, from, from, for our mainly our readers are in Britain, and I think European travel is going to be really um, something they're going to be more interested in and and probably tra- taking fewer trips but spending longer in the destination when they're there um, and so that feeds into that I think you know there is also this issue of actually train travel is quite expensive and it's time consuming so realistically although you can reach some quite, quite far-flung places without flying um, I think destinations within five hours of Britain really by train are going to be the ones that most of our readers are most interested in in getting to for short for short trips and then maybe for longer trips, yeah, staying longer you know, um, going for several weeks. But for that reason, I, Eastern Europe, the Caucasus. I mean, Scandinavia is still having its moment. Um, we find are finding readers are still really we you know for three or four years um, there's been a real search for Scandinavian. And, and they're brilliant for a food adventure because they're so outdoorsy those cultures and they're kind of ahead of the game on things like cooking if you're if you I, I don't know if you're thinking about cooking in a kitchen but I was kind of imagining you on a beach or something with your small frying pan <laughs> and your fish yeah that is the Scandinavians would that that's just routine for them isn't it you know catch and cook where you are um has that answered that a bit <laughs>
0: Um, Rhiannon has um, curated again a very handy feature on the top places to visit uh, for 2020 on the website too and her hot trends. So definitely take a look at that. And adding to your point about um, train travel and things, often you can make that part of the experience too, can't you? There are such lovely... train journeys that have gorgeous food on, lovely beds and, you know, experiences there.
1: And there's that classic um, restaurant in Paris when you're changing trains from the Eurostar to the trains that go further south in Paris, you have to change stations. But everyone always says, who's a foodie, don't get the shortest changeover. Take an earlier Eurostar so you can eat in Le Trambleu in Paris. Um, Which is really... Has anyone ever eaten there? It's the most beautiful railway station restaurant ever I highly recommend it
0: <laughs> okay fab we've probably got one question left if anybody has got anything yes no that's a really good question so for those that didn't hear it, was how can you sort of train your stomach when you're trying lots of different types of food that you might not be used to um I, I'll let Rhiannon go first <laughs>
1: I mean, I do think there's no easy answer to that because people are different. I mean, my husband will get an upset stomach almost as he steps out of the door. Um, I have, you know, travelled, especially before we had children, so to all sorts of places and would be really slapdash, you know, brushing my teeth in local water and I'd hardly ever get ill. So um, I do... But I do think you've got to be... I think hygiene... And actually, there's nothing like having small children to remind me of that, of just constantly, you know... Washing hands and um, and and being you know just being careful and also all those things about don't have food especially because we're encouraging street food don't have things that have been sat out for ages make sure it's cooked freshly just before you eat it, um, but I also wonder uh, you know I'm not an expert on this at all but definitely we're seeing there's a real interest in things like fermenting and. Um, drinks like kefir and um things that um are supposed to be really good for gut health and i think it i think that there's probably some research to be done there about having all of eating lots of foods like that and sour you know sauerkraut that's homemade that's also got lots of good stuff in that are um good for your gut and just making sure you are as healthy as you can be before you're traveling does that help (laughs)
0: I think that's a really, really good top tip. We've actually, um, so we're recording this as a podcast, if anybody's a podcast listener, and we have um, a weekly podcast that talks about food and travel all the time. So do check that out. It's just called the Olive Magazine podcast and available on Spotify and iTunes and all that jazz. But we've got one on gut health that might be real of of interest to you. And again, if you're looking into doing more gut health, we've got lots of recipes for kombucha. Uh, We've got water kefir in our February issue, um, kimchi, all those sorts of great things that just give you a nice, healthy gut ready. But I would say, you know your own body. So it's just if you are you can be a little bit sensitive just tread tread lightly but um also I'm I'm the same as you I'm kind of be bold and adventurous I always think it's worth a bit of a dicky tummy for the delicious foods but that might what a lovely note to end on um thank you so much for coming um it's lovely to meet you all and do come and chat to us at the end if you've got time or can be bothered take a magazine if you would like to and hopefully um we'll get to speak to you see you again soon thank you very much <laughs>
2: so that was the olive magazine podcast if you like this episode please review and rate us we'd love to hear from you if you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode you can visit our website olivemagazine.com you can pick up a copy of our brand new february issue on the newsstand now or go and download the app version bye for now and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat